and well met, travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool. What do you have to drink? Here, we're going to talk about different aspects of kink, leather, the BDSM community, relationships within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions, and they should not be taken as fact or medical advice. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. If you want to help us improve more, you can actually sign up for our Patreon and donate to that Mm -hmm. at the Kinky Tavern. Um, And you can send us questions or suggestions to any of the following. Yes. We're at the Kinky Tavern on Patreon, Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife. And that's all one word, the Kinky Tavern. We are also separately on FetLife at mdizzy, E-M-D-I-Z-Z-Y. And I am at pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker, R-E-K-K-R. You can also join our Discord through our link tree or through um, messaging us and we'll send you a link. Yes. We'd love to have you engage with us and help us make this the best place to learn about kink. Yeah, and you can find us also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Almost all the places. The content that we discuss will likely be explicit. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Miss Dizzy. And I'm Pup Rucker. And today we're going to be talking to you about polyamory. And ethical non-monogamy. Yes. So polyamory isn't a kink, and it's not necessary as a kinkster. No. And it's not for everybody. No, but it is very common in our lifestyle. It is. The two communities seem to overlap quite a bit. They share a lot of the same culture of consent, communication, and respect. Mm -hmm. I was actually listening to... Off the Cuffs episode 302 the other day and heard by Daily say, Being kinky seems to open up a box of looking into a bunch of other parts of yourself. And I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. It kind of puts the mirror in front of you and you don't just see necessarily kinky things. You can see things about your gender, your sexuality, your identity, your relationship orientation. In addition, kink opens up a lot of people to the idea of actions being done to themselves and their partners by people outside of their relationship, just because if two newbies are coming into the community, Mm -hmm. oftentimes they'll play with other people so that they get some interaction with more experienced people. Right, and they can learn from other people Mm -hmm. about what kind of different types of play and things like that. Absolutely. So that's how it overlaps with kink. And Mm -hmm. again, polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, not kinks, not necessary as a kinkster, And it's not for everybody, but they do have a relationship within the community. I mean, it's common within the community. I mean, even it it depends on what you classify as a relationship. Because, I mean, even just playing with someone, you're still, there's still a back and forth. You still have to communicate and negotiate on what you're going to do. Absolutely. So there is still a relationship there. But if you're playing with someone, going to play with someone, and you have a partner already, and you play with someone who already it does something that you can't do or your partner doesn't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's still... Well, it's kind of the idea of everybody's relationship, cheating is different, mm-hmm. even within monogamy. Yeah. So one person looking at porn could be cheating. Mm-hmm. One person getting whipped by another person while you're strapped onto a Sibian is not cheating. You know what I mean? Like it's. Fun. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Some people getting gangbanged is not cheating because... 
it's based on your relationship boundaries. Yeah, I'd like to get gangbang. I know. <laughs> so, ethical or consensual non-monogamy is a relationship style in which all individuals within the relationship are aware of the existence of other partners and agree to be non-monogamous. Yes. Previously, polyamory or polyamorous would be shortened to poly. However, this term has been utilized by the Polynesian community basically for longer than we've ever had it. And upon the general polyamorous community finding out about this, we of course wanted to change it so we weren't stepping on any toes. So now we use the term polyam or polyA. Just so you know. There might be times within this that I say poly. It is kind of a term ingrained in my mind. I am working to work that out of my vocabulary, and I do apologize Yeah. for any slip-ups. Most people use poly um, when they talk about that, but that's something new that I didn't really know about. That so. I've only heard about within the last, like, within this year. So oh, within wow. the last okay. couple of months. Yeah. So, brand new thing. <laughs> yeah. Polyam. Polyam or polyam. We're polyam. We are polyam. Polyam. Polyamory is a relationship type, but it is also... An identity or romantic orientation. As an identity or romantic orientation, it means tending towards having multiple loving relationships with the knowledge of all involved. So I wanted to start by going over the relationship types so that we kind of know where polyamory and ethical non-monogamy fit in what we know of relationships. Yes. So do you want to tell us what monogamy means? So monogamy is your usual, completely exclusive romantically and sexually relationship mm-hmm. it's just one one-on-one mm-hmm. there's nothing else it's just you two that's it mm-hmm. very true mm-hmm. uh, non-monogamy is any relationship style outside of that yeah <laughs> everything else <laughs> so two of the ones that we're going to talk about today specifically are known as open and polyamorous relationships so open relationships typically allow for sexual freedom mm-hmm but request romantic exclusivity. A lot of times in the community you see this because they may not be sexually free in their relationship, but more Mm kink-free. Like they are monogamous romantically and sexually, but they can go get flogged or massaged or fire-cupped or whatever Mm -hmm. by someone else. Right. That's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have polyamorous relationships which yeah. allow for romantic connections as well as sexual ones. Mm-hmm. And um, these these definitions came off of sites about polyamory, not about kink. So these don't include kink as a, you know, they, we've got the romantic interactions, the sexual interactions. Kink isn't in this, but I'm going to try to throw it in there because that's what this podcast is about and that's what yeah. we're relating it back to. I mean... In kink, you find a lot of polyamorous relationships just because there is a lot that comes with polyamory and just, like, finding yourself and, like, finding out all the things you're into and mm-hmm. what your needs are and having them met and just everything that comes along with that. Yeah. So. Um, kink can oftentimes throw a wrench into monogamy simply because the couple has to wrestle with what cheating is in kink right. play. Um, is it cheating if I go get a massage from someone is it cheating if i go get a flogging is it cheating if they put a vibrator on me um you know stuff like that how far do we go so a lot of times i will see couples that are monogamous who are wrestling with this and again monogamy 1000 percent valid yes i will never hate on somebody for being monogamous doing the work to know if you are monogamous 
or you are polyamorous or you could do either or whatever yeah that's what matters you've got to do the work or you're not going to have in my opinion you're not going to have as healthy a relationship unless you do that work yeah and some people their brains just aren't they can't grasp the concept and they're just just can't mm -hmm. they can't do it they're just not wired for it mm -hmm. so and that's fine that's totally valid so there's nothing wrong with that but everybody's different and it's always trying to find that out and figure out how that works for everyone so. yeah absolutely um for example my brother was over here just a little bit ago and he is monogamous he has um he's currently single so hey um <laughs> he's currently single is monogamous though in relationship orientation he has been in polyamorous relationships he was really, really burned by somebody who was not doing ethical non-monogamy. They were practicing non-monogamy, but not ethically. And so he is not sure that he'll ever explore that again. And that's fine. That's totally, totally fine. But he comes over. We talk about our partner. We talk about, I talked about, you know, other people that are coming over this weekend. And he just respects it as a piece of my life. And that's what I appreciate is that we can have conversations about our relationships and relationship orientations and whatever and still have such differences in that area, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to go over some of the types of polyamory. First off, we have hierarchical polyamory. This is where you have one main or primary relationship. It's me. I'm the primary relationship. Okay. You must call me Jarl. No. It never works. And other connections beyond it. So you've got your primary is what they're typically called and other connections beyond it. Um, they normally act as a normal couple, excuse me. They mainly act as a quote unquote normal couple, such as they automatically spend family holidays together. If one got a job somewhere else, they would both automatically move. Their lives are intertwined and they don't have any intention of unentwining or entwining this way with anyone else. They are basically in a monogamous relationship, but they also are allowed to have other partners. So, um, yeah. next we have... Polyphenoly. And that is a relationship with multiple people who are in relationships with one another, i.e. a triad or a quad or... It goes on from there. Yeah. Um, so essentially... In a polyfidelitous relationship, you have multiple people, and they are all entwined with one another. Yes. In the same way that that primary couple was entwined in the beginning. They're all entwined with one another. So say it'd be like a thruple or yeah. a triad, and they're all three. They each have relationships with uh, the other two people in the triad. Yeah. They have their thruple relationship, you know. That's pretty much what we practice, isn't it? Uh, no, not really. No. Um we're more relationship anarchy, honestly. Um, we do... So, let me touch on what relationship anarchy is, That's and then I'll the next explain. So, relationship anarchy. There's no one central or primary relationship. Each individual decides how they're going to engage in their relationships with other people, and no one relationship determines the shape of another. You can still reach the same level of commitment and involvement in these types of relationships, but no one relationship is considered the main or primary relationship. In this style, you can build your lives together with more than one person. So the reason that we are more this than, we're more relationship anarchy than we are polyfidelity mm -hmm. is because 
while you and I are married, yeah, it's really only because we've been together longer. Yeah. We are not against the idea of bringing someone else into our lives. Yeah. And having them at the same level of commitment as we are to one another. Right. We're also not stifling any outside connections. Polyfidelity, it's like those three in the triad, mm-hmm. they don't date outside of each other. They right. are basically, oh, yeah, they're fidelitous, which is, which means infidelity is cheating. So yeah. they are fidelitous. They are yeah. monogamous with the three of them, basically. Yeah. So that's why we're yeah. more so, relationship anarchy. Yeah. So we're more open and like if something comes along like we meet somebody and they're great and we want them or one of us wants them or and somebody else doesn't yeah right because we have had luck in finding partners who like us both and want to be with us both yeah and who we also like and build relationships with yeah but that's not typically they meet one or the other of us first because we date separately Mm mm-hmm we just happen like, to you love my wife. <laughs> yeah, we just happen to find people that end up getting along with each other too. Yeah. So. So, and then we have solo polyamory. So, solo polyamory is where each individual decides how to engage in their relationships with with other people and no one relationship determines the shape of another. So, in that way it's like relationship anarchy. Yeah. But it does change a little bit. Yes. So it promotes autonomy of each person as much as possible. That way they maintain the identity of a solo individual. They may identify as single, even when in relationships, their life is more centered on themselves as an individual, and not bringing another partner into their lives at that level. So basically they are, like, they can be in multiple relationships, but they don't put off that, like they don't have very much commitment with them, basically. They typically won't cohabitate with other people with their partners because they want to promote the autonomy even not even just in relationships and sex but in life um, of one another and so they typically won't cohabitate with another partner or get married or anything like that um but i mean there can be i've never seen a non-cohabitive relationship that was the same level of commitment as say you and i mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they don't exist that's true so it's just a little bit of a different relationship style so i also had a few that are not quite ethical non-monogamy um and we're not going to go deep into why they're not we're just going to cover a few of these terms so that you know what they mean um the first one is unicorn hunting yay so this is a no that's not the This is a cishet couple, cisgendered, meaning not trans and heterosexual. Typically, it's a cishet couple seeking a hot bi babe who is willing to integrate into their lifestyle and follow their rules. They typically don't allow other partners outside of the triad. If so, it's probably an OPP, which is a one penis policy. And if anything goes wrong, the couple will automatically stay together. I also noted here that a one penis policy invalidates non-cisgender heteronormative penetrative sex meaning it invalidates queer sex trans sex asexual sex i mean there's some people that don't like to have penetrative sex and that's fine Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it's not sex it also puts people in boxes because as this couple is creating this spot in their relationship Mm -hmm. for a very specific person to fill a very specific role 
they're creating this box that this person is going to have to fit into without thinking about the individual person. A lot of them, yeah. Yeah. So it's usually very controlling over the unicorn. The decisions have already been made for them by the couple. They typically don't take the individual person or anyone's personhood into consideration beyond their own. There is a lot of problematic stuff in that. I will admit that when Rucker and I started out as opening our relationship, we were adamantly not unicorn hunters, but we did have a lot of the traits of them. Um, Yeah, I mean, we cared a lot about the people that we were dating. We did try very hard not to to put them in a box, but... We, we really were. And it just took some growth and some evolution of ourselves to realize that we were and to stop that. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely not hating on anybody. Just know that unicorn hunting is typically a very toxic relationship style for the unicorn involved. And honestly, for the couple too, it's not super healthy. Yeah. And then there's swinging. You want to talk about what swinging is? I feel like I've been talking forever. Yeah, that's when you go to the playground and you go onto the swing set and then you like pump your legs and then you go up in the air and back and forth and it's real fun. I don't have a weapon near me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. So swinging is, it includes both singles and couples that can explore sexual activities with others recreationally or socially. So it's usually like in the form of like clubs usually it's a swingers club couples go there or single people go there to meet up with couples or a lot of times it is it's very sex focused it is and i mean i have not seen the entire swinging community i'm sure there are some that are not like this Mm -hmm. um but what from what i've seen a lot of it is parties and it's it's a lot like a kink party but instead of kink they're sexing They're doing the sex. It's just sex, and I mean, there's a lot of times there's alcohol and other things, so... Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's just get together, let's drink, have fun, and then do other fun on top of that. mm -hmm. And typically, the sex that they have at these parties is typically confined to that, if they're a couple in a committed relationship. Um, Of course, that's not always the case, but... Um, with couples who go to these parties, typically they are monogamous outside of these parties. Which, yeah. again, totally valid. Do you, boo? Yeah. Next, we have monogamish. It's a term that was originally coined by Dan Savage. Yeah. This describes couples who are committed to each other and are generally monogamous, but will allow for certain sexual exceptions, such as swinging parties. Kind of like I was just saying. I should have just waited. Why do I over-explain things before I get to it? And we have a few other terms here. We have boundaries, which are about your own self and the things you are in control of. So, I only have sex with people who are tested regularly, and I use berries for anything penetrating me unless I am fluid bonded with that person. So that is an example of a boundary. Yeah. Your boundary controls your actions. You only have sex with people who are tested regularly and... You use barriers for anything penetrating you unless you're fluid bonded. Right. So an agreement is typically a boundary that two or more folks have agreed to, any of which in that agreement have say in renegotiation. Yeah. So such as we always use barriers with other people, a decision made by both myself and my partner. Right. And these are just examples not necessarily true for us. Yeah. And then there are rules. So rules are a decision made by one or more people 
which affects other people who don't get a say in it. So such as, my husband says I can't have sex without barriers. That affects me, I don't get a say in that, and that affects my partners outside of my husband who don't get a say in that. And that, I would say that if you have something that is a concern that you can address as a boundary, such as, I only have sex with people who are tested regularly and I use barriers for anything penetrating me. That would be a better boundary. And then if daddy says that, Mm -hmm. I can determine how I respond with my own boundary. Yeah. So that's not you putting a rule on me that's saying, this is my boundary and I need to determine how I need to react to that. Yeah, I'd say rules are, they're kind of limiting, I guess. Very limiting. They are, and they don't allow for negotiation is the biggest problem. Yeah. So, I can understand, like, using rules as if you're in, like, a DS dynamic. Oh, yeah, that's or... totally different. That's not what we're talking about at all. But, yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> different. Sorry. I should have I should have said at the top of this that there will probably be some terms in here that overlap with some kink terms we've covered, and typically, such as, like, this, rules, this is... A different type of rule than say in a ds dynamic yeah so yeah yeah so next we wanted to talk about some misconceptions misconceptions one of the misconceptions that i hear a lot is that it's just an excuse to cheat which it's really not it, it is cheating is not open honest and consensual no it's not so therefore this is not an excuse for anything and it's not cheating so it's not cheating if you talk about it and discuss it. Unsafe sex. Testing, protection, and communication. That's our main thing. Um, we always practice safe sex, and we don't really go outside of that. So, unsafe sex. A lot of people think that when you're in a poly relationship, there's a lot of just anything goes, pretty much. But no, there's a lot of negotiation and communication and testing we get tested like at least every few months Mm -hmm. and we always wear protection with other partners unless we're fully bonded and we always talk about everything (laughs) so yep and we have a procedure for being fluid bonded where we are all tested beforehand so Mm -hmm. we all know everyone's safe another misconception about polyamory is that it's all about sex all the orgies and honestly I probably have less sex than most monogamous people. Yeah. I am demisexual and I'm a spoonie, so I don't often have the energy and spoons to have sex, so... Oh, you've been a little more actively. Trying. Um, (laughs) But it's more about relationships. Yeah. And even if it's about sex, so fucking what? If it's safe, so what if people outside of their relationship have sex with them? If they agree on it, why not? Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> it's really not. I mean, really, if you are in a marriage or a relationship in which you have agreed to be monogamous, you should be monogamous. If you are not, if you choose to have sex with someone else or you do anything that is considered cheating by you and your partner, which also needs to be talked about, yeah, then that's wrong. However, if you're in a polyamorous relationship, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing whatever you want in your sex life. Right. As long as it's within the confines of your relationship. Yeah. Another misconception is that it makes marriage meaningless. Is our marriage meaningless? Yes. Oh, damn it. All this time wasted. All of it. 
Let me pack my go bag. Oh, wait, it's a go bag, so I'm just going to grab it. Fuck you. <laughs> so, I feel like my marriage with my husband is stronger and filled with more love because we have the opportunity to develop connections outside of one another if they organically come or if we pursue them. Yeah. So, it's more about our connection than our exclusivity. One of my favorite quotes in the movie that we're reviewing next episode is uh, Professor Marsden and the Wonder Woman. Elizabeth says, I'm your wife, not your jailer. And I love that quote because that's so true. Why is it necessary for a spouse to control another spouse's relationships outside of himself? Yeah, what about that society? I just don't understand it because, like, you still come home to me. You still love me. You still take care of me. Yeah. Why wouldn't we I? still have a great relationship and we still have great sex. So what I does s- it matter that you have relationships and sex with other people? I still love you. And I love my other partner as well. Mm-hmm. And they love you too. Mm-hmm. So that's, them. and I love that they love you. So yeah, yeah, I don't know why not. So is marriage just about never getting anything from any other person emotionally? Because if so, that's really gross. You, even if you're in a monogamous relationship, you should expect your partner to have friends and family that they can Mm -hmm. rely on and call if they need or, you know, talk to and have for emotional support. Yeah. So why, why are romantic relationships so exclusive in that you can only have one? Yeah. You can have multiple aunts and uncles. You can have multiple moms, stepmoms, dads, stepdads, grandparents that you love, children. That's my biggest thing. You can have several children that you love. Yeah. Why can't you have multiple partners if you're doing it ethically and communicating with everyone? Right. Boom. Also, compersion. Yeah. That's what Daddy was talking about a minute ago. Yes. What did you say? I love that my partner, Alan, the great Lord Alan Vidra, loves you, and I love that they love you. Yeah. It's basically happiness for another person's happiness even if it doesn't involve you. So one of my favorite things is to see any one of my partners talking or in their own world while working on like a hobby or something they're passionate about. I have zero idea half of the words they just said, but it's cute and I'm happy for them because they're happy and they're in their zone. When Wrecker used to weld all the time when he was in welding school, He would come home and talk to me about stuff, and I didn't understand half the words that were coming out of his mouth. But he was happy, so I listened, because he wanted to talk about his passion. And then when one of our friends came along, and she was also in welding school, they could talk about their passion. And it was just so cute, I'd just sit there and watch them talk about it, because I didn't understand what they were saying, but they were just happy. So, you know, that's what compersion is. And I think that that is extremely healthy in a marriage. Yes. Seeing your partner happy from their other relationships, it doesn't have to be even, it doesn't have to be in like a romantic relationship. True. It can just be, you know, they could be talking to their sister or, you know, their mom and you can see. A very good old friend. There's also marriage and hand fasting and commitment ceremonies with multiple people. Yeah. Just because America has decided that we can't have multiple spouses does not mean that we can't have multiple spouses in spirit. Yeah. In your own way, you can have, you can do whatever you want pretty Mm -hmm. much. So another thing that comes along with marriage is having children. Mm -hmm. 
The misconception is that polyamorous families can't or shouldn't raise children because the kids will be so confused. By what? That's kind of my thing. If you have a child with someone and you divorce and or you never were married and then they have a stepdad or a stepmom, that's more parents in their life to love and support them. That's That's not seen as bad. So why is it seen as bad if... It's a healthy couple with more than one partner. Mom and mommy and daddy are all living together. Why is that bad? They don't need to know Because anything. nobody else does it that way? Yeah. That's the only reason why, to be I honest. Know. It's Essentially, it's more adults who care about them and are paying attention to them and are meeting their needs. And hey, it takes a village to raise a kid. <sighs> yeah. I was raised by my whole family, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, I was, I wasn't at... I was always at a family member's house because mm-hmm. my mom had to work and go to school at the same time she had me. So I was at somebody's house, whether it was my aunt, my grandma, my other aunt, my uncle. Yep. <laughs> Just somebody always watched me. And honestly, kids don't see anything wrong with it. They learn mm-hmm. from yeah. their parents or from the people around them that something is wrong with it. If anything, I'd say it would develop a more healthy relationship with the kid because they get to learn about consent and Mm -hmm. boundaries and all of that because that comes with being poly i mean you just that's essential most of the polyamorous people that i know also use parenting tactics that are high on consent and talking to them you know i was on the phone with one of my good friends the other day and her kid kept coming up and interrupting and it was so precious And it would be stuff like, well, you can go ahead and move that jar, but I'm not going to move it back for you. I hurt today and I can't do that. You know, I don't know. They would just, they would explain why they can't do this or that. You know, it wasn't, oh, you can't do that. It's okay. Well, if you're going to sweep in here, you need to pick up with your hands, your toys, because you don't want to sweep them into the dustpan. Well, why don't I want to do that? Because they'll get all dirty and dusty. You know, stuff like that. Like, you explain so that the kids are informed about It's not just yelling at them not to do something. It's, this is why this isn't a good idea. You can make your own decision. If you want dirty toys, fine. You can clean them. You know, like, (laughs) it's, it's really a good parenting style. And I think that a lot of that in the parents that I've seen comes from their polyamory because they do have to have that negotiation and consent and communication constantly. And it just kind of naturally flows into their childbearing. Another misconception about polyamory is that it's uncommon. And to be honest, 4 to 5% of the population, according to Google, in America is polyamorous. That's between 13 to 16 million people. Wow. That's a lot of polyam people. So 4 to 5% of the population in America is polyamorous. Funny enough, 4 to 5% of the population in America is LGBT. <laughs> so it's just as common as LGBT individuals. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of overlap because I don't oh, know yeah. that I've met very many straight polyam <laughs> people. Yeah. It's pretty rare. Yeah, it's very rare to find that. So I also wrote down a few talking points that I wanted to talk about before we get into kind of our journey with things. Mm-hmm. So, um, each person in a polycule makes things a lot more complex because guess what? They're a whole ass human and they've got needs and wants and their own relationships and their own life. Everyone is a mess in their own right. And that's okay. Nobody's perfect. Everybody brings with them their own complexities. 
And that does make for a complex life. Polyamory is not simple. Relationships in general are not simple. You're dealing with a whole ass human with needs, wants, thoughts, feelings yeah. outside of yourself. So each person that you add into your relationship brings more complexities, but it also brings a lot more love and happiness and everything positive about a relationship is true of polyamorous relationships as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's nice having someone love you or multiple people love you and care about you and just want to make your life better. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, it's it's a team. I mean, you work together as a team to make your life work together as best you can. We do. Yeah. And I think it it does take a team, especially in this this day and age. I was gonna say, especially going in this economy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> another thing I wanted to talk about is being aware of and careful with how power and privilege exist in your relationship. Power and privilege exist. They're not bad things. I have power over one of my partners because I am their dominant. They're my submissive. Hey, me too. Yeah. I'm the Jarl now. But I acknowledge that and mm -hmm. recognize the privilege that I have in that and the power that I have in that. And we negotiate in very clear terms. Yes. Through that. Mm -hmm. You should empower each of your partners in any way that you're able to. Yeah, I would say that's true. Being aware of and actively working to handle... NRE or new relationship energy, which is that big happy feeling you get in a brand new relationship where everything's great and your hormones are going up and literally making you high. Life altering decisions are best saved for after you come down from the high. So, yeah, so basically, just being aware of NRE, making sure that you're not making crazy decisions in that process. Right. Because your hormones are literally making you high. So. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things can happen really quickly in a new relationship. Mm -hmm. So, And by the same token, with those hormones, if you're feeling jealous, don't immediately react to it and definitely don't reject it. Examine where it comes from. Are there any needs or wants that are not being fulfilled of your own? Are there any insecurities you need to address with yourself or with your partner? Are these things that can be communicated or worked on? Jealousy isn't a negative emotion. Reactions without introspection can be negative. But if you work on it and you are introspective and you communicate, jealousy can make a relationship better. Yeah. The process of working through the jealousy makes it better, rather. Right. I mean, if you hold that jealousy back and don't, like, tell anybody about it, it's just going to fester and get worse. Mm -hmm. And... Whereas, like, if you bring it up right away, like, hey, this bugged me, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to be, to tell the person, like, hey, this bugged me, can you change this, or can we work something out to where it works better? Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it's always good to do that, rather than, yeah. And as with life, with kink, also in polyamory, you should give yourself grace to learn. Mistakes happen. But you should also do the work to learn with as little harm done as possible. So don't just blow through partner after partner after partner trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. Learn very carefully, preferably with as little casualties as possible. Yeah. And do research. Always do research. Definitely. Whenever you can. So now that we've covered polyamory as a topic, I figured we'd do a quick rundown of our journey in polyamory. Quick. Well, as quick as it can be. Mm. 
So we were monogamous for one and a half years, starting in 2015. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of insecurity. I had been raised in fairly conservative Christian religion. Um, conservative, at least with sex and relationships, very conservative. Mm -hmm. So I had to deconstruct a lot of the socialization that I had towards monogamy from society and from religion. I didn't really realize I was doing this and had the best, best intentions when we did open up, but I held on to a lot of control. I only wanted someone who would specifically date both of us so that I felt like I was still able to keep the control. And we were basically unicorn hunters, even though we said that we weren't. And it took a lot for me to learn that that's what I was doing and to stop that, to grow from that. Yeah. And for me, it was kind of rough in the beginning because I've, I grew up in a very open and accepting household. So my family never discouraged me from doing anything. And that's, that's why I did so many things as a kid. I mean, it was rough in the beginning because of the struggle that we went through because you were having such a hard time with it. I mean, I, I guess it was just easier for me to grasp the, the polyamory thing. I think it was easier for you to be okay with me having partners than it was for me to be okay with you having partners. Yeah. But you struggled with the observing and listening and meeting people's needs as they communicate them. I think that's kind of been your growth in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just talking about things. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't talk much usually, well, which is weird talking. because we run a podcast. Yeah. So, um, there are a few episodes where I'm a lot more quiet though. Yeah. So trying to fix that. Even through our first relationship, we grew and learned a lot and like every relationship we learned something new and we kept growing and yeah, we kind of just over time, we deconstructed our ideas of relationships and reconstructed them through the lens of healthy, ethical non-monogamy. And we're still working every day to learn and to grow, mm -hmm. to do things better. But I feel like we've become a lot better partners through it to, yeah. our, to each other and others. Yeah, and I, f I think that like a lot of the time when we were like actively searching for a new, like a new partner, I felt like there was a lot more pressure to find somebody kind of mm -hmm. but like when i we decided to like just kind of casually look like maybe throw out a message here and there on somebody that things happened a little more organically basically mm -hmm. like we met more people that were open to talking and stuff first and mm -hmm. figuring out if it would work and yeah, a lot of our relationships have developed organically through other communities that we're part of, mm -hmm. such as, like, the kink community. Mainly the kink community. Yeah. Um, we we do date individually now. I don't really date, per se. I just, I'm not on any dating apps. I'm not searching for anything. I just exist in the way that I exist. And if I run across somebody, like, Alan messaged me on FetLife, and within... A couple of weeks we were partners so we organically met alan and they liked us both so that was really cool um but like it happened organically they reached out because we were liking some of the same stuff on fet life and commenting on some of the same stuff and it was something that we're both really passionate about so they messaged me and were like hey you seem cool can i add you and i was like yeah you seem cool too i'll add you back and then we talked for a little bit and then we added snapchats and 
the rest is history, as they say. We okay. still all became partners the same day because we, they, <laughs> they tend to get on a topic such as uh, what our partnership is called or you know whatever what it's like our boundaries, and they'll come and talk to each of us individually in DMs about it. Yeah. Because they want to work it out with each of us at that moment. That's what their mind's at. And I kind of love that because it's good to have that communication. Yeah. And to know that they're having that communication with you too. Because I know that communication is not your strong suit. So knowing that they have that communication with you. Uh, there was another time that they brought up dynamics. And I messaged you and you said, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we're talking about dynamics. And I was like, ha, <laughs> us too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we strive for each individual in our partnerships to have autonomy over their own relationships, their own lives. Each partner has priority and equality within the relationships that they have. Uh, we communicate thoroughly with one another just to avoid any miscommunication. We really try to break everything down and negotiate mm -hmm. every little bit, check on one another, you know, stuff like that. We're all neurodivergent and we're all struggling with mental health and stuff like that. I mean, who isn't anymore? But we've all got our own struggles and we each care about one another and it's just like any normal relationship. There's just more of us. Yeah. And like, as far as priority goes, like, you know, Alan's got their partner that they live with and mm -hmm. I've got daddy, who is my husband. And so their partner probably takes care of a lot of their basic needs. Yeah. Like daddy takes care of my basic needs mm -hmm. on the daily. That's just how things go based on location and convenience and, one day that could change. We could change our living situations or whatever, and that could change. Right now, if I were to have anything bad happen where I need to go to the hospital or something, mm -hmm. you would, without a doubt, be there with me. Yeah. Alan might be, too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But if I'm fine and I'm just having, like, a bad pain day and I can't do the drive to Oklahoma, but you can, and yeah. Alan ends up in the hospital... You better bet your ass I'd send you there. You know, like yeah. the priority we have isn't necessarily usually a problem because it's pretty easy. Hospital versus tummy ache. Hospital wins no matter who it's, you know, Yeah. if it's the quote unquote primary, which I don't, you're my husband, but I don't feel like you're my primary because I feel like we put equal importance on each of our relationships. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. we. I mean, we treat each other as equals. One of the things that recently, just as a side piece of advice here, one of the things that recently we've had to overcome is I felt jealousy over their physical connection with Wrecker. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily that I felt jealousy over their connection with Wrecker. It was that because of my pain and Wrecker's love style being aggression... <laughs> We don't, we don't always have a lot of loving interactions as often as we used to. S like some of the things that I see you doing with them, I'm like, oh man, I wish I could have that. And then I get upset about it. But I mean, when I felt that way, I communicated it to you and said, hey, I'm having a hard time right now. And it was, Alan was in the other room. Mm -hmm. Alan was talking to their partner and I, so I pulled Wrecker aside and said, you know, I'm really struggling right now. I'm having a hard time. You know, you guys are really, you've got that NRE going and I get that. I'm just, I'm struggling right now. And I had also had some emotional things happen that weekend, but, uh, well, and you were also in a lot of pain that day too. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, we just, we communicate it. And then now we kind of have a signal that if I need a little extra reassurance, I kind of grab onto Wrecker, which is something I do normally anyway. But, you know, it's just communication and making things work. It's not that you were doing anything wrong. It's not that Alan did anything wrong. Yeah. It's not even that I did anything wrong. It's that I was feeling a certain type of way because we needed to talk about something. Yeah. You recognized the problem and brought it to me, and then mm-hmm. you talked about it. That's a great way to put it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I believe we did have some questions. Wait, you didn't put them in the document? You know what? You didn't put them in the script? You know what? I'm going to give you sass. All have my... you ever put questions into a script of ours? The truth comes out. Keep fucking with me. Yeah, you do all the stuff background, but I make all the funnies. <sighs> I mean, okay, I you guess. can do it all on your own then. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> okay. So, bratty prison girl Jessica, thank you for your question. She asks, "How would somebody plan or approach a new partner about polyamory?" Hmm. So, it kind of depends on where yeah. that person's at. Are they monogamous? As far as they know, are they already polyamorous? Um, but as far as just starting a polyamorous relationship, as somebody who hasn't been polyam before, I would suggest doing some research, mm-hmm. talking to people that you know that are polyam. Yeah. Especially the people that you are talking are thinking about partnership with. Um, it's important to know where they stand and where you stand on things. You know, it's yeah. important to do the ac- the introspection to learn if that's something you can do. Yeah, I would say that like I would be kind of upfront about it if it's like somebody new that you're trying to talk to and bring in like like if you're on a dating site or something i would put that up front just because a lot of people don't want to deal with all the extra stuff that comes with polyamory Mm -hmm. and they don't want to they don't want to deal with all that some people are monogamous that's fine that is fine that That is is perfectly valid and i understand that but if you don't put that on your profile or whatever or say that in messages right away you can have all these long conversations and have this great connection with this person and then tell them, oh, I'm polyamorous, by the way. I am I have two other partners. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, I can't do this now. And then you get that rejection when it could have just been like taken care of right at the beginning. Yeah, and that's the same reason, I mean, I put disabled on mm-hmm. any profiles that I have. Kinky, polyam. And I usually have full body pictures because if you are not okay with the size of my body, my relationship status, the functionality of my body, which I can't change, trust me, I've tried, and the fact that I'm kinky, we probably won't vibe all that well. All of this. You must be okay with all of this. Exactly. Those are just some things that if if you aren't into those things, we probably won't vibe. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that... I filtered out that we probably wouldn't vibe all that well. Yeah. So ultimately just talk. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Communication, consent, introspection, very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about it. That was all my questions, yeah. That was the only question? Wow. Okay. Well, that was a good question. It was. I didn't... I wasn't as active in chat this week, so I apologize. If anyone would like to join our Discord chat... Yes, please. Is open, and we are looking for more people because it is a little bit dead, because I don't do the best at keeping up with group chats. 
Well, and there's not very many people in there to begin There's with, not so. right now, but we would love to have a community to chat with. Yes. And to get more questions and have some say in the topics. Yeah. So join us. Join now, us. Daddy. Are you ready to lead us out with a daddy joke? I guess. Do we have to? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Shit. I did. I, I got one. Okay. Perfect. I, I got it. Got it. Okay. It's going to be really bad. All right. I know. What does the sign on an out-of-business brothel say? What? Beat it. We're closed. <laughs> <laughs>